The Bible says, Matthew chapter 13, we're going to begin at verse number 24. He presented another parable to them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tear also among the wheat and went away. Everybody say, went away. <laughs> Young people, y'all are going to understand that there's some parts of this you're going to be able to see. I mean, it's just great. Watch this. But when the wheat sprang up and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. And the slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. And the slaves said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? The Bible says, he said, no, don't do that. Lest while you are gathering up the tares, you may root up the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together. Everybody say grow together. <laughs> Until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, first, first order of business is to gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. What do you do when what just sprung up stops your come up? <laughs> what do you do when what's just sprung up stops you from coming up? Now, I'd be doing an injustice to this text if I didn't start with the theological, with an explanation of the text. Uh, don't be nervous about big words and exegetical, uh, an exegetical explanation of the text means to talk about the text and what it mean, means to the people in the text. But quite naturally, Jesus was not talking to people in 2018. So good students of the Bible tolerate and not only tolerate, but desire to know what was Jesus talking about before it applies to us. We don't want to just jump into it and get us all riled up and talk about, you know, trials and tribulations in our lives. We have to respect the text and find out what was Jesus talking about. And in this chapter, there are a series of what's called kingdom texts. Everybody say kingdom texts. Uh, these weren't church texts. These were kingdom texts. Uh, the, the reason why I say that uh, is because you'll see in, the, in this chapter different parables that Jesus tells and he'll start the parable by saying the kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of heaven is like the kingdom of heaven is like quite naturally Matthew who wrote this is writing to an audience full of Jews Jews would be concerned with the kingdom Jesus was the coming king for them Jesus was the king of kings and lord of lords. They were looking for a king because in Jewish history, Jews 
had these periods, watch this, when they would go into captivity. You know, Egypt, captivity, Babylon, captivity. Then after that, they get absorbed into Rome. And so the Jews are desperately looking for their king to come. And they had a messed up idea how the king would come because in their mind, the king would come, he would kick down the door, he would swing a, a sickle and he would come in and conquer Rome and he would just take his place and all of the Jews wouldn't have to live in their own community. Being under Rome, they would be able to come out into the light and, and, and it wouldn't be Rome anymore. It would be Jerusalem. But that wasn't how Jesus was going to come. Far from how he was going to come. And so he starts talking about the kingdom of heaven. And what's interesting is sometimes we make the kingdom and the church synonymous. There's a problem in that. Uh, the church uh, is more focused on those baptized believers. The kingdom is every believer under the authority of God. There's a difference between a pride and the jungle. Yeah, I'm missing this. There's a difference between a herd and the jungle. There's a difference between a flock and the jungle or a flock and the animal kingdom. Are you understanding this? The animal kingdom consists of herds, prides, flocks, swarms. All of that is part of one kingdom. And the difference between the church and the kingdom is the kingdom includes people that hadn't even got here yet. All of us know somebody that just recently gave their lives to the Lord. But 10 years ago, they hadn't got here yet. They were destined for the kingdom. They are here now, they are part of the kingdom. And that's why Jesus hasn't come yet to return because there's still more people that are gonna be added to the kingdom. Everybody under his control. So he would talk about this, the kingdom of heaven is like. And he gives these weird examples of, of that are crazy, that seem crazy to those of us who would live in this day and time. But in this particular text, he says the kingdom of, of heaven is like a man that sold good seed in his field. That's what it starts out with, the idea of sowing. Now we have the harvest principle working. That means God, sold, Jesus sold something and, and he sold good seed. But the Bible says in this parable, that while men slept, and I heard sermons talked about people, you know, you don't need to sleep. These men were legitimately sleeping. He sowed good seed in his field and his workers worked the field and they got tired because that's what working people do. You get tired and you go to sleep. They were not going to sleep out of turn. They were not going to sleep when they shouldn't have been asleep. They went to sleep at day's end and they went to sleep because they were tired and fatigued. And the Bible says in their slumber, in their sleep, that an enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat because the devil does his greatest work when we're not conscious don't miss this I'm not talking about a literal sleep but a disconnection from consciousness I mean the, those are the times when things are going so well we just kind of ignore and we're not just aware about things and you are legitimately in a good season in your life that's why I said a few Sundays ago that it, it is not the rough season you need to worry about you need to think about and be more alert when things are going good because you're not connected to any negative thing that's good and we don't like negative 
negative. I hate negative and I don't want to be pessimistic. But the devil makes his move when you're mentally disconnected. When you're at a place where you have everything to be happy about. When you're not connected. When you're, watch this. When you're at a place of rest. Legitimate rest. And the Bible says that the enemy comes in, sows tares among the wheat, and guess what he does? The text says he sows it and walks away. Don't miss this. A lot of what we call the devil is not personally the devil. He sows the tear and he walks away. Like the instigator who whispers in your ear and says, look at how she's looking at you. She's trying to be you. She's hating on you and walks away. When the person walks away, the seed has been planted. There is no place that we see that more prominent than in churches. Why? Because, this is why. The devil, the enemy, did not sow the tear in an open field. He sowed the tear where the wheat was planted. In other words, the devil is not interested in sowing tear where there isn't something that's supposed to be there sown. He doesn't sow tear where there's other tear. He doesn't sow tear when there's just an open field. He waits until the right thing has been sown because now he has to counter what God has sown and the way he counters the good things that God has sowed is he sows some things under the veil of secrecy. Meaning you don't know it until it grows. In, 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 in medical, in medical, there are some things that are undetectable until they grow. You go to the doctor and they say, we saw something, but it's not a big deal. We're just going to watch it. And the reason why it's not a big deal at that point is because it's too small to be able to diagnose. It's too small to sound the alarm. But it's not, the problem is not that it's not there. It just hasn't grown. And guess what? As you grow, it grows. And the way this parable goes is that the enemy waited until the wheat was sown. And the workers were asleep. Then he sowed tear where the wheat was sown. He sowed it right in the midst of where the wheat was sown. The devil is not trying to get you unless you're growing into something that God has his hand on. And that's when and where he will sow it. If we were a church not doing anything, if we were a church not on our way to God's destiny, if you were a child of God that had laid back and fell back into a state of lethargy and you lost your faith and you lost your hope and you lost your joy, then there's nothing beneficial out of sowing tear next to you but oh if you got promise if you got potential if the favor of God is on your life you better believe that that's exactly where the devil wants to sow because he wants to sow something to counter up what's growing in you pay attention he walks away that, 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 that is the picture of an instigator 
That's the picture of an indicator, and we got to be particularly careful of that. You got to pray for discernment, brother. You got to pray, pray for discernment. Pray for discernment. Why? Because everybody that's saying something to you is not growing in your direction. Even in this church move, you got to be careful of people who wait for people so that they can sow a seed. They can sow a seed of doubt, sow a seed of negativity. Yeah, this is good. We're rejoicing, but. There are buts, but don't miss your rejoice moment word about a but. And sometimes people are waiting by the but, but they miss their moment to rejoice. And then they wait for others that they can sow a seed into and they walk away. They're disconnected, uninvolved, uninterested. And while they walk away, you're left with the seed. Then all of a sudden, later on down the road, you start showing your tearness. Well, now in this text, that word tear, I need you to understand something. In that time, there was a certain weed. It was called the bearded Darnell plant. What was interesting about the bearded Darnell plant, sis, was it looked exactly like wheat. It looked like wheat. It was not distinguishable always from the naked eye. It took somebody who knew, a farmer who knew the distinct difference between Darnell, bearded Darnell plant and wheat. As a matter of fact, the main distinction between that weed and wheat was that that weed did not produce. Which means that whoever was over the field would have to wait till harvest to know the difference. They would literally have to wait until everything grows up to know the difference. They would have to wait for the process of maturation. They would have to wait till things got real mature to know the difference because in the journey, in the process of growth, you could not identify the wheat from the tear because it was the kind of wheat that imitated a kind of tear that imitated the wheat the devil has been imitating God since the beginning of time you do remember two sacrifices two boys everybody go to first John let me show you something say amen if you're still on board I feel like I feel like you're listening for your soul that's good listen for your soul Listen for your soul. Don't toss this to somebody else. This is God's word to you. It's God's word to me. Listen for your soul. Listen for your soul. Listen for your discernment. Listen for your wisdom. Listen for your growth and your maturity. 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. I want you to know that God has seed. And we find out later that, that the one that planted the seed is the son of man. The field is the world. I need you to know that God has seed. And if God has seed, then because of the enemy, the devil being the opposite of God, Satan has seed also. And just like this parable, he makes sure that his seed looks identical to the seed of God. As a matter of fact, even when it comes to worldviews, the seed of the woman was Christ. You know what you call the person that comes later that looks like Christ? 
but leads people away from Christ, the Bible calls that person the anti-Christ. The alternative that the enemy presents is an alternative that you can't often distinguish right away. It is an alternative based on his familiarity with the authentic product. He knows what an authentic Christian looks like. Yeah, I'm missing what I'm saying. The devil knows what a Christian looks like. And so he makes a replica. He knows what a good sacrifice looks like. He knows what, what's pleasing to God looks like. He knows it. He knows it. He knows it. And until that thing comes to maturity, you, you don't see it. The same with the two sons, right? Bible says in 1 John, I'm going to show you that the devil has seed. 1 John chapter 3. Start with verse 11. Where are my readers? They're down here. This Come is, read. But this is the message which you have heard Watch from this. the beginning. Watch this. Pay attention, church. This is the message. Which you have heard from the beginning. Which you have heard from the beginning. That we should love one another. We should love one another. Watch not, this. Pay attention. Here it comes. Not as Cain. Not as Cain. Watch what he says about Cain. Who was of the evil one. Who was of the evil one. We read about Cain and Abel and the naked eye calls Cain and Abel the sons of Adam. But no, 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 no. Satan had a son. He had a seed. The Bible distinguishes Cain by calling Cain as being of the evil one. And the evil one always shows up in the presence of the seeds of God. No benefit showing up apart from God's people. No benefit showing up just randomly. He waits he waits until the seed is planted. Then whenever nobody's suspecting, he sows a seed. And that seed becomes of him. Look at John 8, 44. I'm going to tell you something. You know, I know there's, there's the idea that we should preach blue skies and rainbows and Jesus' love. And I believe that. I preach it. I preach that Jesus is love. But Jesus was not just love. He was real. Jesus was not some passive man that walked the face of the earth that uh, just let anything happen and didn't say anything about it. And we prefer Jesus sometimes that doesn't say anything about us, especially when it comes to things that may not be as positive as we think it should be. But let me tell you, you want to hear sermon Jesus preached? You want to hear some words Jesus said where he was identified? Watch this. It wasn't personal. It wasn't personal. He didn't have a personal vendetta against anybody, but he called it what it was. He called a spade a spade and a shovel a shovel. So here in John chapter 8 and verse number 44, what does the Bible say? You are of your father the devil. He's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the religious people and the people who had religious arrogance, the self-righteous people who looked down on everybody else because they didn't meet their standard. Jesus talks to them and he says, you are what? Of, your, of father. your father, the devil. Y'all believe that the Satan has seed? You believe that, that, watch this, and what he will do is sometimes he will plant that seed while you're in your growing process. Now that's the church, that's the field, that's the world, right? Here it comes personally. Be careful that you pay attention when people come into your life. <laughs> 
Y'all not going to go with me, but I'll go by myself. I'll go if I got to go by myself. Be kept, pay attention to when people connect to you. Pay attention to the when of when people get close to you. Pay attention to the when and the how and the what. Because you got to pay attention because the devil is not interested in sowing seed until God sows a seed in you. It is not just coincidence that as soon as you decide you're going to get yourself together and you're going to be serious about God, new people start coming in your life. I'm not talking about people that try to help you in your journey. I'm talking about new devils because whenever you get on a new level, you get a new devil. Y'all better hear me, Mountain View. We're making this transition. We are in for some new devils. Why? Because the devil's not interested in sowing a seed where there's not the real thing. He wants to sow a seed that looks like the real thing. Right, Brother Spops? Right, Chris? So watch this. We have established that Satan has seed. And number two, we established that his seed replicates, duplicate, well, can appear to be the duplication of the wheat. His tear, his weed, God's wheat. His tear, his weed, God's wheat. Now, what's interesting about this is when they wake up, they tell the, the master, uh, didn't you sow, didn't you sow wheat? What is this? And uh, the master says, an enemy has done this. Why? Because this sh shouldn't be how the field looks. And it's amazing with our children, how we can fit, put ourselves in this parable, parable with our children. I mean, I mean, Jayla Jordan and Janice are a little older now, and, uh, and, and, but it's interesting. You can do whatever you want to do. You can fortify your house. You can throw out every radio, every TV. Not, not saying that what, that we didn't do that, but there are some people that like to take it to the extreme. No TV. We're only going to get Disney Channel and this and that and the other. And I'm going to tell you something. Don't be listening to the radio. No radio. And somehow, some way, you think it's a coincidence that the devil has made all of this stuff that we were once being hedged from so accessible? Why do you think that is? You think that's happenstance? That if you took away her phone and punished your child and say, give me your phone, that somehow, some way, whatever information they were able to be exposed to through the phone, you take it away and they still get exposed to it. Because the devil's job is to plant a seed where the wheat is. Because if I can plant a seed where the wheat is, I can blend in and you won't know it until it comes to maturity. Look in your own lives. Some of you didn't know you cussed until you got older. I know, I know, I know. Nobody here. You ever say something and you say, ooh, where did that come from? Ooh, where did that come from? I didn't even know I could say that. <laughs> you know where it came from? A seed. Because devil has seed. The devil has seed. Now, in this parable, the seed are actual people. Okay? So the Bible says that, uh, that the master says an enemy has done this. And you got to learn discernment like Jesus. 
to know what in your life was what you brought on yourself and what in your life was brought by the enemy. Because the easy thing to do in church environments is to shape yourself as the victim. Hello? It's easy to do that. You ever brought something on yourself and then went around talking about the devil trying to get me? No, 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 no. An enemy didn't do that one. You did that one. I did that one. And it takes an honest soul to say, wait a minute, this wasn't, the, this wasn't an enemy that did this. This was me that did this. The seed was planted in me. I did this. I made this poor decision. I followed this path. I did this thing that I shouldn't have done. I said this. I'm the one. We need to learn to own up when you own up. Because when you don't own up, you lose discernment. And you're no longer, you're no longer able to discern what's the devil and what's you. And you will blame the devil and he will be your scapegoat. And you'll go all your life calling all your bad decisions by the devil's name. Say amen if you believe that. But an enemy had legitimately done this and walked away. The slave said, okay, you want me to take him up? Let's, let's deal with this. And one of the things the Lord is teaching me, I haven't learned, I haven't gotten the degree, I haven't taken the, 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 the test to get the degree. As a matter of fact, I have taken it, but I'm one of those, I, when it comes to this, I fail. And God leaves me in the course longer. You uncomfortable with my transparency? I don't, I'm not there yet. And if I sit in the presence or stand in the presence of anybody that's there, please meet with me so that you can help me. But one of the things that happens and that the Lord is teaching me is to put a rein on my impulsivity. Because emotional occurrences stimulate emotional responses. Uh, some of us are outcome oriented where we just want to do it, just fix it, fix it oriented. And we go immediately to try to fix it. Oh, what's going on? Oh, I'll fix this. And when we do that based upon our emotion, we find out quickly there, that there are some things that are better to be left alone because trying to fix it will actually make it worse. Hello? Before I got sick, I was one of those self-medication people diagnosing myself. I got a doctorate degree in WebMD. Some of y'all laughing because that's right, that's what you do. You ain't been the doctor in years. You just go to WebMD. Losing your mind. Oh my God, I got pimpolitis. Pimpolucious litis. It's fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. So here's a point for your life. Whenever what springs up is stopping your come up, consult God. Start praying about it. I don't watch this. Throw away your prowess. Throw away what you know. Throw away what you learned. Because this going on may not be that you learned about. Learn to let talking to God be your first resort. 
don't do anything, don't get on the phone with anybody, don't call brother so-and-so, don't call me, don't call the elders. Talk to God first because you don't need me or the elders or the deacons or the ministry leaders to connect to God. You can connect to God anytime, anywhere. His phone is never busy. You'll never hear a voicemail message. You can connect, consult with God. Stop getting emotional and moving quickly into fixing what you think you can fix. No, it may not be what makes sense to you. It may not be fixed the way you think it should be fixed. I, look, I, I don't care what Oprah said. I don't care what Dr. Phil said. I don't care what any psychologist or psychiatrist said the Christian's first resort is to talk to the master of the field. They said should we do this? It made sense to go and rip up the tear. How many of you would agree that that would make sense? Just go and tear it out. If you tear out the tear, they're gone. That's the problem. The problem's ended. Everything's all right. But Jesus had a different remedy. What happens when the Lord is saying in your life to leave something alone that you know is not good? The tear were tear. They were clearly not weak. The master said, this is what you do. Leave it alone. Here's your second point in your life. Here's your second point in your life. After you consult God, learn. Turn to somebody. Turn to somebody. Oh, God. Turn to somebody. Yeah, go on and turn. Don't do the twinkle eyes now. I'm watching y'all. Don't be doing twinkle eyes, y'all. I mean, a real intelligible look, serious we in church look and tell them sometimes you have to learn to just leave it alone that was the remedy that Jesus gave that's what he says he said leave it alone what was the principle the principle was they have to grow together because if you try to tear out the weed you're going to mess up the wheat you ever, have you ever been in a place in your life where you acted quickly and emotionally and you did damage to parts of the situation that should not have been touched? Sometimes we have to learn to leave it alone. Not in bitterness, not in wrath, not in anger, but in wisdom. I'm going to leave it alone. And there will always be a voice that says, well, wait a minute, they're growing together. You ever meet anybody that has more thirst for justice when it's somebody else? Come on in this house. If you can't say amen, say ouch, because I didn't hear very many amen, so I get it. I get what we're dealing with here now. You have a thirst for justice only when it comes to somebody else. But in your situation, you want mercy. You hear of somebody doing something in their relationship and you say, no, 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 that ain't right. We need, to, we need to check that. Forgetting that God forgave you and dealt with you graciously just five years ago in the very same situation. And we emotionally move and we forget that God has a plan and his plan is superior to ours, makes more sense than ours. Don't get emotionally led. Learn sometimes to just leave it alone. Turn to somebody and say, learn to leave it alone. 
Now, I'm not saying things you're supposed to deal with. There are things you're supposed to deal with. There are things you're supposed to deal with swiftly. There are things that God wants you to deal with and not linger, not hesitate, not procrastinate. But there are things that God's remedy works better for. His remedy always works better. And in this case, when in the field, there are lookalikes and real authentic God says, let the lookalikes grow together with the authentics. And he says, there's coming a day where in spite of what has grown together, I'm going to present two options. Two options. What are the two options? Burn or barn. Those are the only two options. Now, in the maturation process, in the growing process, everything mingles together. The bearded Darnell plant looks like the weed. The weed looks like the weed. It almost looks like good fellowship. But it doesn't matter how similar the look. There, God gets to a place. And in this parable, it's talking about at the end of time. But God gets to a place even in time, even before the end of time, where he says, I'm going to separate. I'm going to separate. There's going to be a burn and there's going to be a barn. Teachers, any teachers in here? You may have your cheaters on tests matriculate in class, the same class that the students matriculate in. Oh, yeah. You take these quizzes, take these quizzes, and you know, cheetahs can look smart too. The difference is how they look smart is like this. Some of y'all missed that. That's how they look smart. But there's always that big test where this won't work. And the big test is the final discernment of wheat and weed. And God has a way of doing that today where he will give a final discernment. Now, not simply at the end of time, but tribulation, trial, the discomfort of a seat that makes you want the sermon shorter or the service shorter. Uncomfortable situations, deadlines that are never met, projections that never come to pass, testing. And those with faith and those with fake, because you know, you can say, I have faith in my heart. And it sounds like you said faith. <laughs> Y'all ready to go? Y'all ready to go? They sound alike. The devil trying to get my fake. <laughs> All you got to do is have faith. <laughs> have faith in God. But the tests will show if you're a burn person or if you're a barn person. And Jesus says, when he sends the reapers, you know where they start? 
They don't start with the wheat. Look in that parable. He says they start with the weed, the tear. Gather the tear. Because there's a fellowship between tear. There's commonality between tear. And you take the tear and put them in bundles where they belong because they belong together. Tear belongs together. And then you take the tear and burn the tear and you take the wheat and you bring the wheat into my barn. What is the devil planting? What is he sowing? I'm not saying you. I know you've sown some things. I've sown some things. But I'm wondering, what has the devil sown in your life that just sprung up? Maybe you've been going years with somebody who hated you. Then all of a sudden, it springs up. Now you have hate that knows your personal business. You have hate that's familiar with you. What do you do? What do you do with that? Do you, do you say, you know what? I'm going to bring it. I'm going to come and I'm going to tell this person. Because now I got to warn this person and warn that person. This is not my friend. And I'm going to go talk about Carlos because Carlos is just, I mean, out of nowhere. And I'm finding out that all this time he had a problem with me from years ago. The devil planted a seed there. And he's been carrying that seed. And now at the worst time, he wants to pop up and spring up as my enemy. And I'm trying to come up. And the person that's in my way is not the person that declares themselves my enemy. Not the person that apparently does not like me. Not a person that will declare themselves as my hater. And that will say and admit that they're trying to throw shade. The person that springs up in my face, in my journey, on my way to my come up is the person that I thought was my friend but had been harboring the seed of Satan. And now, because I thought they were my friend, I shared all of the intricate details of my life with them. They have enough information as my friend to help me out in any situation, but all that same information they have as my enemy gives them the power to destroy me. I'm talking to somebody in here. I know I am. What do you do? Don't get on the phone. Don't call a girlfriend. Don't start a witch hunt. Don't spread the, the negativity because we like people who are our enemies. We like people who are our enemies. To, to, we want all of our friends to be their enemies. That's gang violence in the kingdom. That's the hyenas versus the zebras. No crips and bloods here. First point, consult God. Your bills come due and you don't know what you're going to do and sometimes people will wait. They won't help you but they'll wait. They'll see you get buried and they'll wait. They'll see you be crucified and they'll wait. As a matter of fact, the passive aggressive behavior is worse. It says, I will never lift the finger to, hate you, to hurt you but I will never lift the finger to help you. And when you find out you have that kind of seed growing with you, what do you do? You call and put it on blast? Do you go on Facebook? And I don't like all this. We got to be careful with that. Some of us go too far on Facebook. Oh, I don't like this today. Somebody said that. People don't care. 
It's entertaining. Talk to God about it. You don't have to type anything. Put your phone down. Talk to God about it. And then, and then when you talk to God, understand there's some things you just need to leave alone. And finally, let him do the separating. Amen? amen. Say amen. Give God some glory if you've received that. Amen. Whose seat are you? Whose seat are you? I'm flawed. I'm messed up. I trip, I fall, I stumble, I fumble. Everybody stand to your feet. I fumble. You catch me on the wrong day, I'll say the wrong thing. Sometimes I'm impulsive. Sometimes I'm repulsive. Sometimes my thoughts are not what they need to be. My walk is not what it needs to be. Sometimes my actions are not what they need to be. I'm not a picture of perfection, but by the glory of God, I trust in the perfect Savior. And one thing is for sure, that I have not yielded myself to sin. Now, I sin, you sin, we all sin. But I am not born of sin. I'm born of the seed of righteousness. I'm born again. And my first birth has been evaporated, has been vanquished. And I buy into the fact that I've been born again. So when I fall, I don't stay there. I get up because that's not where I belong. I don't belong underwater. I'm not a fish. I don't belong flying in the air and hanging in a tree. I'm not a bird. I stand tall because God made me this way. And though I might go swimming from time to time, that is not who I am. Though I might hang in trees from time to time, that is not who I am. I am saved. I am sanctified. I've been just by the blood of Jesus Christ and there might be the seed of Satan growing on and growing up around me but I will not become my environment I will not become the whisper in my ear I will not become the suggestion in my heart I am who God says I am and I will be who God says I will be and in spite of my flaws my failures and my falters I will declare constantly I, I am what God says I am I've been born again and I've been born of the seed of incorruption and not the seed of corruption but if you are here and you have not been born again you have to ask yourself whose seed are you I don't care if you are religious the biggest issues Jesus had were with religious people he called the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes you are generation